Welcome to More Creative. I'm your host, Ashley Wiley, and today we talk with Joshua Theodorus Kernia and creative producer at Instagram. Throughout our conversation, we talk about Joshua's early pursuit of a career in architecture and his free direction into creative producing. We talk about his experiences in the Disney Imaginations competition, his time at Walt Disney Imagineering, and his eventual transition into a creative producer position at Instagram. It was great to hear Joshua's story and how he's navigated the entertainment industry to find his true passion. I hope you all enjoy this one. Joshua, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to be here. So have you always been interested in a creative career? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to pursue architecture back in college. Even though, you know, it's not, uh, it's not always creative. There's a lot of construction and technicality in it. But overall, I think just design, I love design ever since I was little. And I've always been a creative kid, you know? Yeah. And so I just know that in high school and growing up, I always loved just doing creative things and and when I was looking for, okay, like, what should I study? What should I study in college? What should be my career? I was struggling a little bit to figure out what do I actually want. But I know that I don't want to go to engineering, for example, where it, it it's very uh, science-based, you know, like it's not, there's not a lot of creativity there. And that's why I, you know, I chose to study architecture back in college. Interesting. So when you first began, what were you thinking would be your goal after school? Were you planning on going into an architecture firm or at that time was your goal more towards the entertainment sector? Uh, It's interesting because I think the first sort of three years, the first three years of my college, I was sat in my mind, I, I wanted to be a licensed architect after I graduate. I wanted to go that full architecture path. So I did, you know, I did a couple internships, architecture internships, and I just started to feel like this field was not creative enough for me. I was just not a big fan of drafting in front of the computer for the whole day or like I'm not interested in being on construction site or structural calculation or when like in in college for example when I I had to take structure class that is the class that I hated the most <laughs> and where like my friends would enjoy it and they would enjoy making models they would enjoy sort of looking at this architecture wonder of Frank Geary and then they would geek out about it. I was, I never felt like that. And so something in me was starting to think, what else can I use with my design and architecture knowledge that I was pursuing at the time? But what other avenues can I pursue that is more creative? And that's just something different than doing conventional architecture work. So while you were in school, you participated in the Disney Imagineering Design Competition. Can you tell me about what that is and what that experience was like for you with that mindset of, hey, maybe architecture isn't necessarily the route that I'm going to end up going into? So I did it twice, actually. I did the the competition twice. Cool. 
yeah so so basically disney imaginations is an annual design competition open to college students around the u.s it's um hosted by walt disney imagineering and every year they would have a prompt right they would have a design prompt a child uh, a competition prompt and they would pick the i think they would they pick the best six the six finalists out of hundreds of submission and then they would fly those six teams to glendale where Walt well, disney imagineering's campus is for a week and then that would be you know like we, we pitch our projects we met with some of the imagineers there are like uh interviews as well for internships opportunities and all those things which was so much fun but so i i did the first competition i did it was in the fall of 2015 so that's for the 2016 competition and i did it with three of my other architecture friends but we didn't get past the preliminary round <laughs> so i i see that as sort of like a lessons learned for me cuz you know from that one trial and error process i know okay this is what i could improve i wanted to be i wanted to have more a uh, multidisciplinary team instead of all architecture students and yeah so then the next year i tried it again in the fall of 2016 for the 2017 year and this time I didn't start with my circle of friends. I just put up flyers and trying to find people who are actually interested in working at Disney, who are passionate about creating immersive experiences. And I particularly wanted to find my teammates who are from different disciplines. So that searched for about a month. And then I finally found one other person. Her name is Christina. She studied interior design. And then another guy, uh, a guy named Alex, and he was studying mechanical engineering. So the three of us, we decided, okay, let's do this project. You know, let's do this competition without a lot of expectations. You know, we just try to do our best. And so we worked on it for about six months. And then we submitted and turns out our design was selected as one of the top six as the finalist. Wow. And so, yeah, in, in January 2017, then we we went to WDI Imagineering's campus and presented our project. And they liked it a lot and we got first place. So oh that gosh. started my whole kind of uh, journey with Disney as well. And at the same time, when I was working on, a, on that project, I also applied for an internship with Disney in Orlando. And I got that one. It kind of happened at the same time. That's the beginning of my career journey into theme entertainment, into something more than just architecture because you're doing storytelling you're creating immersive experiences wow so what was your all's project for the imagination competition if you don't mind me asking yeah so wow i haven't pitched this for so long so <laughs> let me refresh my mind it, it's called hourglass and okay so so the the prompt for that year was to design an outdoor space in our university that's it. They just left it very open, right? So we came up with this idea of an hourglass being turned on its side because 
when an hourglass is turned on its side, it symbolizes the stopping of time, right? It, the grains of sand, they don't flow. And we use that metaphor into an outdoor space that the story behind it, once you enter the space, it's kind of like a pause rejuvenation space for the students, for the university inhabitants to be able to just stop there for five minutes and, you know, they just relax, they have lunch, they just sit and read and listen to music and all those things. Or they could also stay for two hours in between classes and, you know, that would be a place for their rejuvenation in the middle of the day before they resume their daily activities. So that's that's the gist of the place. And in terms of the design, it's kind of hard to tell it without visuals because sure. this is a podcast <laughs> yeah. but imagine imagine a literal kind of hourglass shape being turned on its side but you cut half of each of the bulb so then there's one above the ground and then there's one like sort of carved into the ground Ooh. if that makes sense <laughs> that's kind of hard to 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 tell it in words but that's that's basically the the story that we're telling with this uh, hourglass project with this idea and if you're curious about the project you can look at my website as well cool for anybody who's listening uh joshua's links and website will also be in the show notes of this episode so go take a look to see some of those visuals but i mean i can definitely understand why you guys got first place that is such a cool idea <laughs> thank you with your internship, what did you end up interning for? So when I first started my internship in Orlando, this so I got this internship just applying online. This is un unrelated to the imaginations competition because again, I was applying this the same time I was working on that project, right? I got that internship in Orlando and it was very architecture heavy. So my team, we were the ones responsible to do the hotels and their rooms renovation throughout Walt Disney World Resort. My team was basically sort of like the, the project management team. We worked with the architect, with the interior designer, with contractor, with engineers to make sure, you know, we stay on scope, schedule, budget. We were on construction sites a lot. And yeah, so I did that for six months in Orlando. And then because of the imaginations competition, I then transferred over to the Walt Disney Imagineering in Glendale Ooh. after that six months. So this is June, 2017. <laughs> and so I moved to LA from Orlando and with Walt Disney Imagineering, I worked on their Marvel portfolio so everything that has to do with Marvel stuff in the theme parks, in the cruise lines, that's my my team. Mm. And I can say this now because it's been publicized mm -hmm, of course. <laughs> globally that, you know, we're building this new uh, Marvel theme land edition in Disney California Adventure Park in uh, Anaheim. So that was one of my main projects. I worked on the Guardians of the Galaxy Monsters After Dark um, ride for the Halloween overlay as well back in 2017. 
So I was there for another six months. Wow. So when you finished your time in Orlando, were you mm -hmm. able to choose that you wanted to move more into a creative position rather than a project manager position? Just the timing and opportunity was right because thanks mm. to the imaginations competition. So then I, cause I did interviews with Imagineering uh, during the competition. Right. So then mm -hmm. they offered me an internship with them. And that's why I made the move to Imagineering. That was also a decision though, because I could just stay in Orlando and did project management in internship because uh, they were willing to extend my internship as well. But I decided to leave and move to Imagineering because I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to be in a more uh, creative team. Interesting. So what was it like to open that show or be a part of the opening of that show of, of Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, you said it was called Monsters After Dark. I, I I loved it so much because <laughs> it was it was a very fast project. I think it was probably only like five months of development because they they opened the original Guardians of the Galaxy uh, mission breakout right, replacing the Tower of Terror in DCA. They opened that the week I joined uh, Imagineering in Ooh. late May of 2017. And then they were also already in the middle of the process of thinking about this Halloween overlay for the October or September. Actually, we opened uh, the Halloween overlay, the Monsters After Dark uh, at the end of September. And so I was just like thrown into this fire of you know <laughs> trying to get it ready for that opening day. And so, you know, there's definitely a lot of late nights going into the park, you know, because we cannot really, if we want to test the ride, we cannot do that when guests are there in the day. So yeah. we have to wait until until the park closes. And then it would be midnight till 4 a.m. type of work. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was, that was quite a memory. You know, it's <laughs> a lot of hard work as well. And just like coffee. And <laughs> it's just a lot of things that I try to absorb and learn at once but mm -hmm. once it opened i remember one day i went to dca and i i just sat at a bench on a bench right by the exit of the ride because i just wanted to feel like the joy of these guests um after they went on the ride and yeah. the comments they would make and that was just like so fulfilling and so satisfying to hear them I cannot wait till the actual Marvel land opened in DCA. Hopefully mm -hmm. later this year. I know it was pushed back because of COVID, right? Mm. Once that happened, I wanted to do the same thing. Wow. Yeah. Fingers crossed that that does get to open this year, but that'll, that'll be really exciting um, when it does. So did that yeah. experience yeah. really seal the deal for you to go more towards a creative producer position? At that time, yes. Mm. At the time, I was a production coordinator and I worked with the lead producer, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, this is something, you know, that I really like. I Because I, I never like just doing one thing. I mm -hmm. love being able to see the bigger picture and then just making sure that it all happens. Mm -hmm. And that's the job of the producer, you know, that, that it's a lot of communication, a lot of 
different random stuff that you just have to untangle to make sure that the project works. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like the shepherd for the whole team kind of a thing, right? You do a yeah. lot of cross-functional um, collaboration as well. And I love that. Like one day you would deal with marketing and then the next day you would talk about merchandising and legal policy. And then you go back to the drawing board with the creative director. You look at images with the, with the designers. You look at architecture models. <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of these different things that you are involved in. And I really loved that at the time. So I thought, yeah, this is something that I'd love to pursue. Did your background in architecture really help you in that position? Oh yeah, yeah, it helped it helped me so much cuz you know, when you studied architecture, you studied design in general, like design history, design principles. You uh studied interior design are also a little bit in there in the architecture discipline. Mm -hmm. You have construction background you have some like drawing background and you work with the engineers mm -hmm. you work in physical spaces and you even work on like graphic design stuff you know as an architecture student like you try to compose this nice storytelling board when you try to present your projects and so architecture in itself is already pretty multidisciplinary and so when I was doing the sort of creative producing roles, I mean, it's true that there were a lot of things that I had to learn from scratch and I would just ask a lot of people about it, but it wasn't too overwhelming for me. I've been exposed to all these different things. And even before I worked at Disney, I would go to these like theme entertainment uh, conferences and just getting myself deeper into the industry, into the theme entertainment industry, that really helped me to just, you know, gain some common knowledge and companies, history, and the people, influential people in the industry had space of this industry. I think that really helped me as well. I was so devastated when I couldn't get a full-time headcount after my internship ended at Disney. Mm -hmm. I was so stressed out at the time, I remember, <laughs> because because all these years, I really wanted to work at Disney. I, I, I've always wanted to work for Imagineering, and I thought when I was doing an internship, I would be there for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then when... I got closer to my end date and I was having conversations about my managers. There's just no headcount. And so I was so devastated. I was so stressed out. But I thought, okay, maybe I'll come back to Imagineering one day. Hmm. But for now, I know I wanted to stay within theme entertainment. And so I looked around. I applied to smaller companies. That's when I found this company called Thinkwell, uh, still in LA. And, you know, they're... They're a production agency. They do theme parks. They do immersive experiences, branding works. They do uh, cultural attractions. So it's still in the same industry, just not as big as Disney. So when I was at Thinkwell, I just worked on like a major theme park project. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, something happened there. So there was basically a, a layoff. This was 2018. Yeah, this is around August 2018. There was a layoff and I was part of that layoff. So from there, 
again, you know, like I look at different things. I still wanted to stay in theme entertainment mm-hmm. at the time. And I somehow landed at Google. Oh, wow. That is <laughs> a pretty that, big turn. That began my journey into tech all of a sudden. What would you say is the difference when working as a creative producer um, between projects for entertainment companies like Disney or Thinkwell mm-hmm. versus social media and tech companies like Google and Instagram? I think the basics of it are the same. You're like this glue that connects all the different disciplines together. You're like in the middle mm-hmm. and you just make sure that everything goes as smooth as possible. And it is the same thing with um, doing creative producing now uh, in tech. You know, like I was at Google for a year and then I was uh, at Instagram until now. But the title is creative producer. And so it's just different products, really. Like if you think about it, at Disney, you were producing theme parks attractions. But then when I got into Google, the team at Google that I was in, we design and we create what we call Google Experience Centers. So mm. these are these are physical spaces. And a lot of the my teammates were actually from Disney as well. Because oh. in these centers, in these experience centers, we would bring... Google's high-profile clients to to it's sort of like a hosting space for them. So there's like auditorium, but more than that, this space has a lot of storytelling element in it. So mm. in each of the center, we would have a theme, you know. So let's say if the theme is about the ocean because it's located close to California, and that's the theme of the space, then we would use and utilize Google's kind of advanced technology and we do some like show lighting moments. We would do like a very cool sort of moments throughout the space that would tell the stories of Google in a physical form. So that could be from projection mapping. It could be from this nice little funny animation on the wall. It could be through like a reveal of something or it could be like an interactive installation in the space and so again this goes back to the theme entertainment industry you are always trying to tell a story to your guests right Mm -hmm. this is the same thing it's just kind of slightly different product Mm -hmm. and you work a lot more with software engineers or ui ux because it is a tech company right and you're building your the own your own digital platform and same thing when I moved to Instagram. Well, now it's no longer physical spaces. It's just all digital products. Oh. But the essence the essence of my job is still the same. You know, like you just do project management. It's just different products. And you work with a lot of designers. You're, you work a lot with the engineers, with the technical people, and you're always that middle person. Interesting. So what is the process like for coming up with with brand new ideas i mean brainstorming is very typical in in any sort of design teams Mm -hmm. even companies there's this thing called charrette and i i knew about this term actually from architecture school charrette is sort of a quick messy brainstorm Mm -hmm. so it's usually only two hours and then you would generate this insane amount of 
ideas that are blue sky thinking, you know, like you don't have any limit. You don't think about the tech limitations. You don't think about the technical limitations. You don't think about budget. You just come up with crazy, very cool ideas. And then from there, it's sort of like you set the creative bar really high up, right? And then that's when you start to look at the technical feasibility, look at the budget, and you start to tone it down into a, an actual feasible projects that could be agreed on with the company, with the team members. And so that's very typical sort of big phases in any design projects, I would say. You start really big and then you kind of start to make it more concrete. So without going into any sort of project specifics, what kind of project do you work with mm-hmm. when creating specifically digital content for a company like Instagram? I think a lot of it are, you know, for example, in Instagram, if if you use Instagram, there's boomerang, right? When you go yeah. to Instagram stories, there's boomerang. So that's the kind of project, for example. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, my team used to do that. And or super zoom, that's another one. Or the sort of the AR effects that you could use when you're in Instagram stories, you can apply things to your face, to your surroundings. Those are the types of creative projects. Or sometimes you just try to um, improve the camera experiences and the user experiences when they are using Instagram app. And so that's also another bigger umbrella projects that we can start looking at and uh, improve over time. It sounds like you deal a lot with technology. And so having that experience in the past with entertainment, now technology Mm -hmm. and design overall, do you have mm-hmm. a favorite focus that you've ever worked with? I think if if you ask me what is my number one passion out mm-hmm. of all of these, I still have to say it's theme parks. <laughs> I love the idea of you are creating a physical product that people could enjoy and millions and millions of people could enjoy. And there it leaves uh, a meaningful memory for them and it's more everlasting right it's mm-hmm. always there like disneyland or world disney world there is there there's always a legacy of that and people would tell the next generation of their memories i don't think i see that as much in digital products it, it it's more short-lived it moves really fast and so i do feel like working on creating this immersive experiences in physical spaces has a lot more meaning to me personally. Like my teammates love, you know, doing these more technology and R&D projects that just live in the digital world. Mm -hmm. Because that's how I guess we see the future as well. There will be a lot more digital experiences. And that's actually an interesting observation to that happened because of COVID and the theme parks are all closed and we still are looking for an immersive experiences and I think that limitation becomes uh, a creative opportunity for people to start thinking how can we bring immersive experiences and storytelling into the digital world so I I think I would 
in the future, I would love to see whatever that is, kind of like this blurred boundary between the digital and the physical product. Cool. So what would you say the most challenging part about what you do is? I think the most challenging part for me is working with so many different people with different backgrounds and personality and working style and mm. the way they say things. And especially when you are in this in in a team where there is uh, the technical people and there are also the creative people, their language is very different, right? Like how yeah. <laughs> they think and how they interpret words are different. And you're in the middle and you have to connect the two somehow. <laughs> and then on top of that, usually, you know, you have some business things thrown in, marketing, policy, research, and all those things, right? And so it just becomes more complicated. And being in constant shifts of mind and the way we see the projects from a bigger 10,000 feet up above and to the littlest detail of the projects, if we want to keep it smooth, mm -hmm. like you have to also deal with the details and the nitty gritty of the projects. It just, it sounds like such a complex position. I mean, you just, mm -hmm. you really have mm -hmm. to have your mind and your hands and everything to yeah. to make sure a project comes to fruition and make sure mm -hmm. everything works well and is cohesive. So, I mean, the skill mm -hmm. that it takes, I mean, it just, it seems immense. So major props yeah. to you for, for doing that so well. So on the flip side, what would you say your favorite part about what you do is? This is kind of contradictory to what I said, but sure. I actually love working with people, you <laughs> yeah. know, like I, even though the people, the people problems could be very hard to solve, but I do love working with people. I don't think I could perform my best if I'm just alone and doing my own thing. I need to always be in kind of constant communication with people in my work and I never get bored because there's always just new things that I have to solve and new challenges that come up with each of the project. It's always very unique. And so it's just never the same. And uh, I, I do enjoy that for sure. And I feel like I'm not siloed into just this one thing. You just have, you just have to do one thing. I could always try different things. I always look at this big picture, small picture. And so I, I do enjoy that. Yeah. And also just like the multidisciplinary aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not just working with engineers. I'm not just working with designers. It's a mix of everything. Cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes positions with variety can, can make it so exciting and, and working with other people just lets you sort of have all these new expansive projects and, and go distances that you couldn't really do by yourself. So yeah, that's definitely mm -hmm, seems like mm -hmm. an awesome part of the position for sure. So you also yep. have your own podcast and it's called Align yes. by Line, A-L-I-G-N yes. by Line. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and what was your inspiration behind that? Yeah, so I love writing. I do creative writing a lot, you know, from poetry to creative science fiction or nonfiction or just like life experiences. I love writing. That's another passion of, of mine. And 
uh, a friend of mine that I met from church last year in, here in San Francisco. Her name is Jasmine. And we connected, and she also really likes writing, especially with uh, poetry. And so about a couple months ago, we kind of reconnected. And I don't know, that idea just came up, you know, like we <laughs> we both love writing and we said, let's do a podcast. And I guess whenever we talk as well, it's just like very free flowing and we could really open up about ourselves and these hard topics about life that are not often spoken about. And so we thought, let's combine our love of poetry with these hard conversations. And so with Align by Line, what we are doing is in in every episode, we would have a topic, right? So we launched our first episode a few weeks ago. It was about finding contentment during solitude. or Ooh. And then we launched our second episode last Thursday because we launched bi-weekly every Thursday. Uh, the second episode was about overcoming racial bias. So we each wrote our a poem, a short poem, less than five minutes each. And then, so I would read my poem, for example, and then we would just dissect it and have live conversations. It's unscripted, organic, just candid conversations. And then she would read her poem and then the same thing happened again. We just do the live conversations again. And that's it. Yeah, that's my podcast. And it's it's really good. I enjoy it a lot. I learned so much and it's it's a really good creative channel and I do hope, you know, that it resonate with a lot of people because these topics are, are not spoken enough publicly. Yeah, I'm really excited to to listen to that. That sounds like a really really neat idea and something that can be really important when talking about those those major topics that are usually not discussed. You have a certain type of creativity in your own job as a creative producer. And then mm -hmm. when you work with outlets such as a podcast, how do those creativities differ? I think with this podcast, for example, and poetry, it's really the power of words. Podcast is all about just your voice. It's mm -hmm. the power of your voice and, and words. There's no visual at all. And so I guess my source of creativity there is just really thinking about life in general, about this topic and what about my experience is unique and is good to offer and to make into a poem and how can that conversations be and how would that resonate with, with people? And so that is very different than let's say my job, which is very visual heavy. This one is a lot more philosophical and artistry and through words and your voice, really. Well, it's really neat that that you can kind of work in those two different realms and, and hit both of those different types mm -hmm. of creativity. That's awesome. So I do have a couple questions that I like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast. So the yeah. first one is... If you could try any profession other than your current one and you didn't have to mm. worry about money or extra education or anything like that, mm. what would you like to try? I would love to be a Broadway performer. Because I've always loved, you know, music. I grew up playing piano, classical piano. I grew up singing. And 
I just love the idea, even though it's always nerve-wracking whenever I like I would do a piano recital growing up, it's always very nerve-wracking. Just the idea of you performing something that you're good at and getting that applause and recognition. I I, I love being on stage that way. Oh. Um, it's the same thing with poetry. I think I would love to do a slam poetry whenever COVID is done mm -hmm. and we can be all together. I really would love to explore that. Cool. That's a good one. My last question is, do you have any advice on turning your passions into a career? That's a hard one. I don't know. I feel like, I think I'm a firm believer that if I put 100% of my focus and energy into doing something that I, or, or trying to pursue something that I know that is what I want to do, mm -hmm. then everything that happens along the way will happen for a reason that would ultimately lead me to where I would end up. And I feel like that has been proven to me multiple times throughout my life. And so whenever there is something that happens to me and it, it doesn't go according to my way or like what I imagine it, uh, it would go, these days I just try to think everything happens for a reason and it would eventually lead me to better things. And so I think that would be an advice um, for me if you want to try to turn your passions into a career, like start thinking about putting that really 100% of your focus and energy into making it happen, but also be flexible. And so when things are hitting you or blocking you, it doesn't deter you and you just give up, you know, because mm -hmm. if you have that mentality of it happens and but it will eventually lead me back, it will eventually put me in a in a better position at the end then you would keep going and you would somehow achieve it eventually i love that perspective i mean because when you do sort of set this this goal in mind and you have this track in mind mm -hmm. things that seem slightly off track can mm -hmm. kind of take mm -hmm. you down and wear you down and feel like you're not going in the right direction but but having that perspective you said that you know everything happens mm -hmm. for a reason if you have that 100% mindset and that's just yeah. a portion that's going to help you on your way to your ultimate goal. I think, and that's an excellent way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. If you, I don't know if you've ever read the alchemist book, I remember one of the quotes there was, if you believe something like, if you believe in something, then the universe will work around you to yeah. make it happen. Cool. So that's what I'm, I'm like trying to put in my mind sometimes. <laughs> Well, Joshua, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was so much fun talking with you. Yeah, for sure. I have, I have a lot of fun times too. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Joshua or his podcast, links are in the description down below. If you like the show, please leave a rating, subscribe, and comment on whatever platform you listen on. It really helps out the show. For more information or to submit your own questions for future guests, you can find us on Instagram at The More Creative or on YouTube at The More Creative Podcast. Again, thanks for listening and I hope to see you next time.